Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. Charlotte, I'm sure you've heard the age-old question, is there a cure for cancer? Indeed, Diego. It's a question that's been asked for centuries, and we might be getting closer to an answer, thanks to the work of a sophomore student and a professor at Seaver College. Right. You're talking about Madison Johnson and Professor Antonio Gomez. They're exploring an innovative approach that doesn't involve curing cancer after diagnosis, but rather preventing it from developing in the first place. They're focusing on the activation of dormant genes in our genome that can potentially halt the growth of cancer cells. And to do this, they're using CRISPR, a gene editing tool that can target specific DNA segments. This isn't science fiction, folks. This could be a game changer in the medical field. Absolutely, Diego. It's fascinating how Johnson, an undergraduate, was drawn to work with CRISPR from the get-go. And despite the lack of lab space and equipment, she and Gomez plunged into this uncharted territory of research. Right. They didn't let these obstacles deter them. In fact, they made a significant finding during their study. It turns out that when a specific gene, GAS1, is upregulated by CRISPR activation, the growth rate of cancer cells decreases significantly. That's a breakthrough, but it's not without its ethical considerations. Gene editing is a complex field with potential implications for future generations. It's a balancing act between the promise of medical advancement and the moral moral responsibility of... Absolutely, Charlotte. But the beauty of Gomez and Johnson's approach is that they're not altering the DNA sequence. They're activating what's already there, which doesn't pose a risk of passing on modifications to the next generation. That's a crucial point, Diego. And their work is far from over. They're documenting their findings and hoping to publish them soon. Johnson even presented their concept at an undergraduate research conference. It's a testament to the power of perseverance and innovative thinking. Although the cure for cancer remains elusive, the work of determined researchers like Gomez and Johnson brings us one step closer to a future where, instead of treating diseases, we prevent them. From the inspiring work of a sophomore student and a professor in the field of cancer research, let's now shift our focus to the larger landscape of global scientific advancements. It seems certain cities are leading the way in this sphere, making significant strides in science, technology, and innovation. Stay tuned as we delve into the latest Nature Index Global Science City Rankings. Charlotte, have you seen the latest Nature Index Global Science City Rankings? I have, Diego. It's quite impressive, isn't it? Beijing has topped the list once again. That's seven years in a row now. Indeed, it is. And it's not just Beijing making waves. Nine other Chinese cities have made it into the top 20. That's right. It's a clear sign of China's growing dominance in the global scientific landscape. But let's not forget the other cities in the top 10. New York, Shanghai, Boston, San Francisco Bay Area, Nanjing, Baltimore, Washington, Guangzhou, Tokyo, and Wuhan. Of course, it's a global effort after all. But Beijing's success is particularly noteworthy. The city's patent stock in artificial intelligence is the highest in the world. For every 10,000 people, there's an average of 218.3 invention patents. That's an astounding... Yes, it's an astounding number indeed, Diego. It's clear that Asian cities, particularly in China, are making significant strides in science, technology, and innovation. Zheng Rong the vice president of Tsinghua University, 
has said that there's a growing need for these cities to play a more significant role in international cooperation in the field. And that's a good point. As these cities continue to rise, they could offer valuable insights and contributions to global scientific advancements. It's a fascinating time for... Absolutely, Charlotte. It's a fascinating time for science and technology. It's exciting to see what the future holds as these cities continue to push the boundaries of scientific research and innovation. From the global scientific landscape, we now turn our attention to another pressing issue of our time, the environment. As we marvel at the technological advancements being made, it's important to remember that these strides must also be sustainable. So let's delve into the world of net zero greenhouse gas emissions, a topic that's heating up discussions among governments and non-state actors alike. Stay tuned as we explore the feasibility of these ambitious decarbonization goals and the unique challenges that lie ahead. Today, we're diving into the topic of net zero greenhouse gas emissions. It's a hot topic, as many governments and non-state actors have pledged to achieve this goal. That's right, Diego. But there are questions about the feasibility of these decarbonization goals. Most of the existing literature focuses on techno-economic assessments and lacks consideration of national conditions and local sociocultural characteristics. So, to address this gap, a new framework has been developed to assess the perceived feasibility and multi-dimensional barriers for net zero transition. This framework has been applied to the Japanese net zero goal by surveying over 100 experts from diverse fields. Interesting, and what were the findings? Most of the experts supported the desirability of the net zero goal and estimated a probability of 33 to 66% for its feasibility. However, there were differences in feasibility assessments between groups. That's quite a range. And what about the barriers to achieving this goal? Well, the identified barriers reflect a unique national condition of Japan and include the limitations of national strategies and clean energy supply. So, it seems that while the goal is desirable, there are significant challenges to overcome. It's clear that the conversation around net zero transition needs to include a wider range of factors and perspectives. Absolutely, Charlotte. And this study provides a valuable framework for doing just that. From the complexities of achieving net zero emissions, we now turn our gaze skywards. But it's not just the stars that are catching our attention. Let's delve into a significant milestone in the field of astronomy, a realm where not just celestial bodies, but also equality and inclusivity are in the spotlight. Today, we're discussing a significant achievement in the field of astronomy, particularly in Australia. The Australian Research Council's Center of Excellence for All Sky Astrophysics in Three Dimensions, or Astro 3D, has achieved gender parity across all its personnel. Quite a feat, wouldn't you say, Charlotte? Absolutely, Diego. This is a huge step forward, especially considering that back in 2018, only 38% of the center's personnel were women. But now, half of Astro 3D's personnel are women, and that's out of over 300 staff members. It's a testament to what can be achieved with focused effort. And it's worth noting that this didn't happen overnight. It was a five-year program of education and affirmative action that made this possible. Astro 3D required all hiring committees and shortlists of candidates for postdoctoral roles across its nine universities to be 50% people who identify as women. They also required all members to attend a two-day workshop 
on implicit bias and stereotypes. Yes, and it's not just about hiring more women, but also retaining them. The number of female PhD students jumped from 33% in 2018 to 53% at the start of 2023. Astro 3D also increased the number of women in leadership roles and provided channels for reporting behaviors that breached the center's code of conduct. They even implemented family-friendly policies, such as holding meetings only between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. and providing financial support for caregivers. It's a comprehensive approach. Indeed, and the results are clear. Almost 60% of female PhD students who had been at Astro 3D in 2017 or 2018 were still there after five years, with many securing postdoctoral roles at the center's affiliated universities. More than two-thirds of female postdoctoral researchers were also still working at the center in June 2022. It's evidence that these strategies are effective. And this isn't just about Astro 3D. They're hoping other institutions can apply the same methods and achieve similar success. But it's important to note that broader and longer studies are needed to determine whether these initiatives lead to lasting results and can be applied to other universities and large organizations. Absolutely. And it's not just about gender diversity. The team is also working on strategies to recruit and retain researchers from other underrepresented groups, including the indigenous and LGBT plus communities and people with disabilities. As Culey says, true diversity is not just about binary gender. We shouldn't just stop here.